featuring Alexander Korostinsky, our guest today on The Worst Little Podcast. Who wants to be famous? <laughs> Who wants to die for art? Torino, the biggest little city in the world, the American cradle of liberty. Look at you, you're a freak! What are we alive for except to grab all the kicks to contaminate our society. Now being renovated. Uncle Nick. Podcasting live from the recent past on Memorial Day. <laughs> but we will not have a meltdown because today my uh, co-host is Anna Mouse, Dogwater Dick, I'm Nick Ramirez, and this is the Worst Little Podcast. 
We have a whole bunch of music for you from our friend Alexander Korostinsky, a member of Dainsley, the Sex Tones, and my neighbor. On the worst little podcast, we're talking out of our ass. Oh, I didn't know he was in the building, Nick. On my same floor, man. Oh, no shit. Fifth floor rules. Oh, so yeah. you know. Do you know all the terrible Nick secrets? Is his baby constantly crying? <laughs> you know, he, very quiet neighbors. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're very. Wait a minute! I thought that whole bands practiced at your house. Oh yeah, I can hear I can hear his band practicing. It's fucking awesome. I walk in the hall and I'm all, oh, live music right here. Yeah, and <laughs> there was a good stretch of time where I, you guys were practicing. Constantly. It was actually Eddie in the subtitles. Yeah, they had regular practice. There. Oh right, right on. My and wife's band, yeah. So is it just that it's an old building and they built it better that you're able to withstand that? Because normally if you lived in an apartment building and had a full like rock band practicing, they would have you put to death. Oh, my neighbor would have me put to death in mm-hmm. heartbeat. But we live with artists, so they put up yeah, with it. We get an excuse. So it's yeah, not it that it's sense. better built that you can't hear it as well. You know, and you try to be no. you, you would you try to be neighborly about it, but you're like, you said, I'm doing my art from this for a couple hours, just tolerate it. And if it's once a week, then it's really cool because they come up to you and they're like, Hey, that one song, you guys are getting better. Yeah, you know? cr- Craig Craig is probably very, he's very stoked on whatever. Yeah, he loves music and yeah. Reno music especially. Craig is the uh, the neighbor right across from my door, and uh, he he's like a sculpture artist, right? Yeah, yeah, and he's awesome. Bronze, and he has really? um, MS or muscular dystrophy. I think that's that, what he has. Probably, um, it's amazing that you know with his body he does fucking bronze sculptures. I mean, he's like smaller than you, Mouse. Wow. Yeah. Didn't know that was possible. He's a very thin fella. Smaller than a mouse. He usually goes around in his wheelchair and he has to breathe oxygen sometimes, you know, like he he has it rough, but he fucking bronze, like the hardest thing to fucking do. Wow. Right. I didn't really know that. Yeah. Um, But it's uh, a. If he ever stops doing it, they'll throw him right the fuck out. Right. (laughs) No. You, you can no, he could retire there and not make another piece of art and ever. He'd still be yeah. able to stay loft there. Yes. Lofts. Yeah. Craig Craig is mad respect there. Yeah. Does Craig go out to live shows? Yeah. All the time. He was at the punk rock flea market. Oh my God. Yeah. That's great. I'm, he was I'm so out. bad that like I, I see Craig at every show. I've never actually met him or talked to him, but I've been down front with him a hundred times. I just tell Sweetheart, you dig him. He moshes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fucking gets into it. <laughs> he was at the Pink Awful show, right? I believe I so. I bet. I met yeah. him there. Neck for the brace, right? Hmm? Neck yeah, brace? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so he has to wear that out just in case, you know. Right, no, well. Oh, you know that song too. Hematoma, Rick, that I wrote? Yes! That's about Craig, who fell at a Merman show at Bruca, and he partied so hard. And he was making out with a chick and everything downstairs. It was crazy. He had the best time of his life. But then he was dancing. And he fell to the ground and fucking got hematoma. And Rachel from Bruca took him to the hospital. Or was it Jamie? I think it was Rachel. Anyway, so she's the lady in the second verse. (laughs) Anyway, so that's Craig. Yeah, my friend. And also he wrote uh, most – he wrote the first poem for I'm a Drunk. And then I rewrote the poem with him. Like, I just switched a few things around. And the, so the, really, it's kind of like, it was his idea. That's two, two nickels for a dime is you? No, he said that. Oh, God, because that's fucking rad. Yeah. Okay, which... That's his line. Fuck, that's so awesome. Okay. And so these are and all available on Nick Ramirez. What is it? Nick Ramirez on Spotify. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was just talking about talking up Craig or we do, we, you know, Well, we just had Alex come over here so we could talk about Nick. Yeah. Totally. The fifth floor oh, rules. <laughs> we have Martina next door who's the doctor of dance. She's like a PhD in dancing or whatever. Yeah. And then we got Alex, the fucking funk rocker soul. Somebody. And, Some and you just got engaged <laughs> yeah. to Laura. And mm-hmm. uh, that's super awesome. Congratulations. Congratulations. Hey, thanks. Now, wait, you say the fifth floor rules, but have you been to other floors? Oh, yeah. And- and they just suck. <laughs> the next best floor is third floor because we got JT and my buddy Danny down there. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know anyone from the sixth floor or the second. How high does it go? Mm-hmm. It's just two six. to six. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there is one floor above you. Yeah. Anyway, it's been cool. Um, it's an interesting place to live. I've always wanted to live there ever since I was young, and so I. Uh, been there for about almost six years and um it's been great i've been i've made more art there in the six years than i have like in my whole life so sweet i've been using it very actively as a studio space because I, I built a recording studio in there Fuck yeah and um so it's yeah i get to work on something every day and so my output has been pretty good and i i attribute that a lot to the environment that i'm in so, yeah, that whole building and that's that space has been like really, really interesting to work in. Now, yeah. your, is your new your new uh, single or double whatever? It's a forty five. A forty five. Yeah, right. it's like a RPM. Yes, yeah, so it's got RPM. side A, side B. Mm-hmm. Is that recorded at your house? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. everything that I've put out over the last six years has been done there, and right now um, it's probably you know the best my studio's ever been the best form it's been in because you know it's a it's a complete analog recording studio so it's all all tape machine all uh, analog outboard gear all vintage it's <laughs> it's like that's uh, like every every component is is that so it, it's taken a long time but um it's finally like i have all the all the pieces of the puzzle and so my new uh, 45 that i'm putting out uh, later in june is sort of like the first piece of of like my fully formed studio that I've been able to do something in so um and I'm really stoked on how it all sounds and how it came out because it's you know I get to do it my way because I'm not answering to other bandmates yeah necessarily who who you know genuinely have great input but like you know I had to I was just kind of doing this on my on my own for this one so I gotta use my studio the exact way I wanted to so yeah and uh, how many track tape machine is it? Well, I got a couple. I got about five tape machines, five or six. Um, I have a quarter inch eight track machine. Um, the ma- the machine is called a Tascam three eighty eight. Those are skinny tracks. Oh yeah, but you know what? That's <laughs> a little bit uh, of the bleed over and low quality is rad. There's no bleed over. There's and, no bleed over. And the 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 quality of the eighth inch is. Uh, kind of bolstered because I have pretty uh pretty hardcore mic pre's that I, I use that can make stuff even on that with even if even the cassette tape stuff I record can sound very hi fi. Fuck. So. Well I mean, you know, but like I hate using like a 
I sometimes I, I'll use like some tape, like fake tape bullshit thing, and then it doesn't make it sound any different. And mm. I'm like, I want it to actually sound a little shitty. That's why I pulled this out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I I use that as well on top of stuff because at some point I have to move it to a digital realm just because of the world. Yes. And so um, I I'm not scared of using. I use I have so many tape emulation plugins. Um, I, I use them for specific characteristics that they each imbue on the track so and what are your favorites being somebody who uses tape all the time and then actually turns to fake stuff oh it, it really just depends um i really like the kramer stuff i like the it's called like the j37 i think or j47 has been pretty cool there's one by soft tubes just called tape <laughs> which is pretty good <laughs> how long did it take them to come up with that name <laughs> oh probably lots of meetings i don't know anyway yeah um so uh, I've really enjoyed making music uh, up in that up in that building. Fuck. Oh, so do you have like do you have like a do you have like a sixteen or a twenty four track um, two inch machine or anything or no. does it go way bigger? Or is it just like I go smaller? So my oh. my whole thing is I I really like the small you know like the what you would consider like low fidelity recording right. styles. I, that's sort of like where I thrive. Dude, but if you're going to use tapeless, use something that fucking sounds like, because like I used really high speed, I had a tape machine for a brief period that was yeah. functioning and, and used like high quality, high speed. And I was like, this sounds just like digital. I don't even care. Yeah. And that's, I want it to sound kind of crazy. That's not, that's that, that uh, opinion is, is shared by a lot of people of just, if you're going to do like a two inch tape machine at, you know, 15 ips, you might as well just record to Pro Tools. Yeah. There's, there, you're not going to hear it at all. And honestly, I mean, the fun part is just being in the room using tape. And I've done that. I've done 15 nips on two inch before for like the, the last Sex Tones record. Um, that's how we did it. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was very clean. You know, we were going for like a Steely Dan type of uh, production value thing. And so that was sort of how to do it. But um, I, my whole entrance into tape has always been through cassette tape. So I start, oh, I started on right. cassette, like four track eighth inch so that's even smaller it's <laughs> half the size of the quarter inch and that's where like i really fell in love with it back you know almost 15 years ago uh or or 10 or 15 i, I don't remember but um i started there and then so slowly you know i've been messing with that and you know my friends and i are, all have tape machines now so we we're all pretty familiar with with the way it goes with that and yeah two inches cool you know um but that's not my thing. I mean, I I appreciate it. I don't need to go that clean. I, really, I have one I really friend don't. who has a giant two uh, two inch machine, and it's the size of a giant like yeah, washer dryer. They're huge. Yeah, they're yeah. it's furniture for sure. These. So now it's all just in a computer or a lap. You could do it all in a laptop and. Right, and then that's do you cool. are you doing all your mixing in the box, or is it are you actually mixing in the giant? Um, all uh, mostly in the box. Um, I have done stuff that's just all tape, and that's that's cool. I don't mind that, but usually I really, I really enjoy Frankensteining it and having the ability to work in the digital realm. God, it's so and, much easier. Uh, some of my favorite current producers do it the exact way that I and I model model it after them, like Leon Michaels um, from uh, Diamond Mine Studios in New York um, is sort of one of those guys that you know he records and gets some really lush, crunchy sounds from his various state machines, and then just chops it up and has a really nice time in the digital realm. Yes. So I, I, I do do that the most, probably 98% of the time. That's how I am doing it. And 
But as long as I have the meat and potatoes down and the bulk of everything down on tape, I feel good about moving to digital. Right. Right. And I was doing it even worse than that I, when I had my tape machine. I would record something all in digital and then decide something needed some flair and send it out to the machine and right back in. Oh, that's great, right. too. Just yeah. like, bam, bam. Oh, sometimes you have to do that just for, for funsies. Right, right. <laughs> How can I make this terrible in just the right way? Yeah, I've done that and then decided that that wasn't the right thing to do. Like, yes. I, uh, There's one song that I gave you. Um, it's called When the Leaves Are, Are Changing by the John Whites. We recorded that to a four-track cassette. And I then, it, it was already very cassette sounding, but all in, a, in a nice lush way. And I'm, I'm excited to have you guys hear this because I could talk about the production value aspect of it. But um, uh, I tried putting that back through a cassette machine and it actually made it not so funsy. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> the right thing to you do. You immediately like undid it. Like, like yeah, no, not... I, I didn't need to make that move. It, it lost a lot of the punch of the drums and stuff and, you know, not every just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. But um, yeah, uh, tape tape transfers is what you're talking about, and and I've done that a lot. Like sometimes uh, if I need someone to fly a track over to me, it'll be like drums, and then I'll throw it on my tape machine and then bounce it just so I it did hit tape before yeah. I fucked with it in the beginning. So yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. Well, so, since you talked about that, should we play it? Yeah, totally. Which one? When the leaves were changing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so to set this up, though, to give you guys some context, um, so maybe some info for whoever's listening is, you know, I my whole thing is that I, you know, I play in a bunch of bands, but I also, you know, try my hand at producing these records for, mm-hmm. for my friends. And uh, whether it's collaborative or not, I, I try to just help lead the project into, like, where it just needs to go as best as I know how. And so this one is from an album uh, from 2015 um, called Beautiful Strangers. And uh, the guy, his name is John White, one of my best friends of all time. It's probably the – I think he's actually been on this show. Yeah, we've had oh, John. Yeah. But, we love uh, John. To, to, in my opinion, he is the best kept, kept secret of the world in terms of songwriting. Like he is my favorite songwriter. And uh, his music is incredible, and I always feel very lucky being able to like play or or record with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes a lot of music on his own, but whenever I'm involved with it, I really, really appreciate those moments because I know that you know whatever song John is bringing to the table, it's going to be like one of the best songs I've ever heard in my life. Wow! So I and that this you know this is just me, but I'm a huge fan of my best friend. God, Alex, and John is getting really embarrassed right now. I, I hope so. You know, uh, he's very pale, so I need to see him blush. So. Um, Cadillac Kim as well is often singing the praises of John White. Yeah, he's, if you know, it's like one of those, if you know, you know, type, mm. type of things. His, mm. his discography is insane. He's written like over a thousand songs and they're all brilliant. Is he like nine albums out? And... I mean, from what's available <laughs> online, yeah, nine. I have like a drive on my computer of like 10 more records he hasn't oh released. Oh my God, oh, it's just shit. like Prince when he died. Dude, John John uh, has eclipsed Prince in, in my opinion. <laughs> but And he's a huge Prince fan and he uh, actually got me really into Prince. But anyway, th- this, this track is called When the Leaves Are Changing. He wrote a long time ago and he's been saving it for, for a very long time. And so me... And my buddy Aaron Chiazza, whose name will come up multiple times tonight, um, he's a drummer. We recorded this in John's basement to a four-track cassette, uh, one of Aaron Chiazza's uh, four-track cassette recorders that he had on hand. And um, 
And uh, so then we took it and I, I bounced all the, the stems to my computer and, and just kind of finished up the song and, and did vocals later, you know. Um, so this is all 2015. Okay, so the four tracks are so what? It's, the guitar, uh, the bass. So, okay, so track one of the four track machine would been, would have been Kick and Snare. Oh. Uh, track two was Overheads. Nice. Track three was bass and track four was guitar. And we were all in the same room with like some makeshift gobos um, in a basement um, high as shit. <laughs> Fuck yeah. And we recorded this record over the course of about a week. And uh, it, this is probably one of John's like most requested songs ever. Um, back in his hometown of Provo, Utah. Um, it's it's an amazing song. And uh, so this is all cassette, but it's it it got the Alex Korstinski love, uh, love mix. So you know I, I mixed and helped uh, layer and, and arrange um, the entire record. But uh, the song was mostly already ironed out because John had been playing it for so long; it, it was already very specific. So mm. that's called uh, yeah, when the leaves were changing.
was lovely. Very good. Was there any, yeah. did you use any uh, fake reverbs on the awesome drums or was that all like basement reverb coming off the fucking snare? That's all fake. Fuck yeah. Um, so that basement was really dead. <laughs> and so, which is great. It's a great way to record drums because if your drum tracks sound good, your record sounds good. So, uh, yeah, the very minimal mic, you know, just a kick kick mic, snare mic, overhead. But uh, I, I I had all these plugins that I, I don't have anymore. They all disappeared on me, but I, I don't even remember what they are. But, uh, yeah, all these really cool reverbs that I'll never get back again. So Fuck, I, I wish reverbs. I knew what they were, but they're, they're really good, and they're throughout the whole record, which really, out of anything that I show you guys tonight, like there, yeah. if there's one thing to like listen to the whole thing of, it would be that record. It's mm-hmm. probably... One of the my favorite things I've ever done. The John White's. The John White's, and the record's called Beautiful Strangers. Fuck yeah. It's on Spotify and all that shit. Awesome. I'm really excited to check it out. It's an emotional roller coaster. Like, it, you don't, it, you, 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 yeah, like, <laughs> it takes you for a ride, and it's all because John is such an incredible songwriter and singer and guitarist, so. Far out. Yep. So. I used to, have, I used to see uh, John every so often when I worked. Because I would deliver to his dad's office. Oh, right on. Worked there for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see him walking around and stuff too. So yeah, yeah. Not many. Kind of a downtown legend. I wish he moved back to Reno. He's out in Carson now. Oh, is he? So, but yeah, we used to be neighbors for a very long time, and so we played so much in that whole time period. That 2015 time period was like so so important to like us being friends and making music together because. We ended up doing a lot of records together, not just that one, but awesome. just like that was the only one that was like a live band. You know, it was live. That was a, you know, the whole record is like recorded live in one room together with in like a room this big, you know, like what is this? <laughs> yeah. Like eight, uh, 10 by 10 it's or nine something. Nine by nine. Nine, yeah. by nine, nine yeah. and a half by nine and a half or something like that when I measured it. Great performance, man. Yeah. That was like I awesome. said, high as shit, you know, but, <laughs> and, and, and all, so warts and all, you know. Listening back to it now, I'm just like, oh yeah, I fucked up a lot in that song. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't hear it. Sounded um, great. Yeah, it sounded great. Yeah, so nice. let's go back just one song before that, the Dainsley song. We didn't get to talk oh, yeah. about that. So um, okay, that was live. So, that was live. Um, so there was a clothing store called the Golden Jackal on Virginia Street, next to like the Greek restaurant, you know, across from Wild Orchid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, my buddy uh, owned that. Zach Gertis had had the spot, and it was great. I, I used to work there um, part time and all that. And uh, at one point, um, we decided to just record a music video, and uh, it's that's out online. So that's the that's the the recording we did. Um, that was so the the yeah the no one cares. That's a single uh, off of an album that Brian and I Brian Danes. So he's the singer Danesley. Uh, that makes sense. We're still working on the album. <laughs> Um, but, uh, that was engineered by Aaron Chiazza of the John Whites as well. So like I said, Aaron's name is going to come up a lot cause yeah. he's like, kind of like, uh, my go-to session drummer for a, for a, a variety of things. But, um, so Aaron engineered that and mic'd that up and we just shot a music video for that. That was digital because of the constraints, but, um, uh, yeah, that was just in a clothing store. So, mm-hmm. and was, Fuck yeah. so yeah. Sean Tamburini on the pedal steel. Uh, Brian on guitar and vocals. I'm I'm just not playing bass, and then Aaron on drums and and engineering. And I I, I think I mixed that one, Fun. that tune. So is the uh, music video online? Yeah, yeah, that's that's available. So you can see us in a clothing <laughs> store at like midnight 
playing this song. Dude, when I was a kid, like, you know, they would have the circular racks of clothing and I would go shopping with my mom and you're hella bored. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to stand in the middle of that surrounded by the circular clothes sure. on the hangers. <laughs> it just seemed like so much fun to be in this like hidden spot in the middle that nobody could find you. And and yeah. my mom would make me not do that. And now I can't do it because I'm too old and it would look creepy. I wonder why she didn't let you, you do know that. You know what, man? You'd do it anyway. you do it I once. Do it. Go you with know, And then if you feel like doing it again, do it again. Yeah, but to this day, when you it. first mentioned that we were in a clothes, we were in a, a clothing store late at night, I was like, I would the first thing I would do. I would hide. Is I would fucking hide. <laughs> I would hide inside the, 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 the circular rack. <laughs> yeah, man. Do You do you. Right. right. I remember doing that too, at least once. That's great. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I'll take you shopping, Rick. Okay, but no, I'll I'll still get arrested, Anna. You can't stop the police from taking me. I'm away. charming. Don't you know me? Right. Look like, at the police. It's fine. Well, we got a lot of music to get through. So, what what's up next on the list, there, Alex? Sure. Um, what else do we have? Can you? I, I honestly just oh, don't remember. Bones of Gold and How Could I Have Known and the Blackstone Affair and Crocker Way. Okay, let's go in chronological order. So we'll pull up How Could I Have Known. So that was also recorded in 2015. That was this is the two inch tape one recorded at Prairie Sun in in uh, San Rafael, California, or uh, somewhere somewhere in California. Um, uh, and this is a song by the Sex Tones. Our first album as the Sex Tones uh, came out in 2017, though. And what We're, are you playing? So I, I'm the bassist in most of these projects. Okay. Um, this is a song that Mark and I co-wrote one day on a tour. And uh, Mark Sexton being the singer of the Sex Tones. If anybody doesn't know that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for you those who don't, say it. for those who don't, also the beautiful straight that that song when the leaves are changing that was engineered by Mark. Oh, so nice. and then uh, just that song though, he didn't do the rest of the record, but he, he did engineer that tune, which is why it probably sounds better <laughs> than the other <laughs> ones that I did. But uh, uh, yeah, so Mark and I have been in the Sex Tones since we were, or we've been playing music since like 2004. Uh, we we met when we were little kids, you know, in grade school, and then we formed the band uh, midway through high school, and then released a, you know a bunch of records uh, under the Mark Sexton Band moniker, and then we changed the name to the Sex Tones to kind of shift into like the soul genre a bit mm -hmm. more and like kind of uh, go that path. And so this song is a is a, is a ballad. This is a this is our, our ballad song. It's called How Could I Have Known?
And then how'd you guys, how did you do the, the backward solo in the middle? The way that Jimmy did it. Um, did you, you learn it backward. You play you play the melody that you want. So it's the, the so refrain it's melody. It's the re- you play the refrain melody, reverse it, and then you learn it reversed, play it reversed, and then flip that, and then you have a reverse guitar solo <laughs> playing a linearly forward line. Right. right. So that's how right. Jimi Hendrix did it, and that's how we did it. Shit. That's fucking badass. I did that with the- It's really hard that. to do. I did that with the Grim Tones, and Michelle was like, and so she, but we just took sections. So there was four sections on the solo for, mm-hmm. I think the song is Mama Mama, um, and it's off the first album. Yeah. And she, we decided to have one, the first part of the section be backwards, and the second part be forward, and this next part be backwards, and the next part be forward. So it goes back wow. and forth. And so, but Michelle just decided, it wasn't planned out. She just sort of like soloed knowing that it would be backwards, so if she wanted to end high, she would start low. You know what I mean? She just sure. thought of it backwards. You have to, to plan it. And then we and then we would just, she'd do all that bullshit and it would seem nuts. And then we would just flip the ones that were supposed to be backwards mm-hmm. and it would make sense. And then we just kept doing it until she liked the take. It's <laughs> such a cool effect and a really fun way to like deconstruct melodies. Ooh, but then what happened was we realized that the forward parts sounded a little dull. And so to make them sound more normal, we did the the backwards reverb trick on those. Oh, that's so those awesome. had backwards reverb so that you don't you don't really know what the fuck is going on, I guess, at the end. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah. But it, it always when I hear that, I'm always like, I know what a fucking pain in the ass that is. And it's, I wonder how they did it. Because some uh, people could just like do each note and then edit them together. No. You know? No, I mean, I mean that's one way to learn how to do it, but Mark and I spent a lot of time nailing that. Because it had to the timing had to be right too. Oh yeah. And also you had to get the amount of sustain on the guitar correct. Um it was a pain in the ass, but it was worth it. I mean, we spent two years m- mixing that record. Damn. So, because we recorded it in 2015 and it came out at, uh, uh, April 2017. So, wow. we spent a really long time on that record. I got to uh, send that to my dad. He's so into The whole time we were listening to that song, I'm just picturing him pop locking. <laughs> him and his friends Whoa. would just listen to like soul music and R&B and yeah. just pop lock for, I mean, since he was a kid, but I could just picture him. Yeah, that's cool. That. Yeah. Right on, yeah. Send, send it I on. I want to meet your dad, Mouse. Oh, he's such a, a little bit fucking of good myself. dancer. Whoa. <laughs> Nick just uh, pop locked a tiny bit <laughs> to the best of his ability next to us. Yeah, I'll, can't I'll, see. I'll throw down a little bit with your dad. <laughs> right on. He'd love that. That's rad. He's a little bit high. Whoa, what? Nick, the not heck? not your dad. My dad doesn't smoke, Rico. Right. Um, what? A little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Enough. <laughs> but not too much. <laughs> so shall we go to the next song I don't think we're going to do a quiz Today's Memorial Day I think we get a strong music episode today Fuck yeah, uh, yeah. Okay so chronologically Then um, the next one would be 
uh, a song called Crocker Way. And this this song is really cool. I mean, it's a you know a very personal thing for me, but um, I uh, Mark and I actually lived together in various forms uh, throughout college. Uh, and at one point, we lived on a street called Crocker Way, mm. um, sort of like off of Marsh Avenue area. Really, right. like kind of like hidden street. Okay. We lived with our, um, we lived with our, our uh, one of my really good friends, and uh, he was like the landlord. He was a roommate. He was older than us, and uh, he was a really um, awesome dude. I had so many great memories at this house that I'll just call Crocker Way, which is the street, and. Um, so uh, I was, I really got into like Vince Guaraldi at that time. And, uh, you know, he's a jazz pianist um, from the 60s and 70s. He did like the Charlie Brown Christmas okay. album. Oh, but right. uh, aside from being like mega famous because of that, he had a really great body of work of just his own stuff. Um, anyway, I, I got really into that like mode of making and writing for older genres of music. And so, um, at one point after I had moved, Mark and I had moved out and been a lot, a lot of years, I brought a song to the table for the band called what it do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I just said, it's kind of like a soul jazz, like Ramsey Lewis type of vibe, but like Vince Guaraldi. And, um, so I wrote this part and then I wrote like this horn arrangement. So it's got like, you know, a brass section. There's two trumpets and two trombones playing <sighs> on this. And uh, it, we recorded this live as well in my studio. Now my now my new my studio archive group studios, which is the one you know my <laughs> at the loft at yeah. the loft. Um, in any case, so we pressed this on forty five with a UK label in twenty twenty called LRK Records, um, and uh, this kind of kicked off the little career for what it do. Uh, we got spun on you know BBC radio and it got a lot of love in the UK because of this song in the B-side that Mark wrote called Steve's Romp, um, also like a Ramsey Lewis type of vibe. Um, and this kind of started this whole like thing that we'll get deeper into with like the other tracks that I have, but um, making older sounding music that's very convincing that mm. it comes from in a different time period, uh, which is... Is that Ruf- Rufus Wainwright? Isn't he doing stuff like that? Am I... Possibly. I'm not, I'm okay, not sure. You know, yeah, who knows? Uh, I, I just remembered on NPR... <clears throat> Never mind. <laughs> nice. <laughs> In any case, the song is called Crockerway. It's kind of like my ode to the time period I, I I lived on on the street and the whole musical collective that my our roommate and Mark and I kind of all had together, which was listening, getting like really stoned and listening to really beautiful jazz. And so uh, I'm not a jazz musician at all, but um, I can fake my way through making a groovy little tune. So. Mm-hmm. Um, this was recorded in my studio, uh, and yeah, and the 45 is, I think there, there were only like a couple hundred pressed. Um, they're somewhere out there. They're going for s- some pretty good prices on Discogs lately, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but, so the the song is, it's side A, it's called Crocker Way.
That was so fucking rad. I bet that is so, so cool. great in mono. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that would just like coming out of like a fucking speaker when you're walking through a grocery store or something. That would just fuck that rock so hard. Yeah. Oh my God. I it's love that little, fucked like, up sound. Too. It's <laughs> got the, the brass section vibe. Yeah. yeah and that, the, that funk beat or something too. Yeah. yeah and so, it's all mid rangey and fucking crazy. I love that. That's the vibe. Yeah. I mean, all those older recordings, you know, uh, low, low bass response and speakers just didn't exist. You know, in the seventies, like that's a very, very modern production value thing to have, like really heavy and good low end. So yeah, b- being in the mid range for like these older style recordings is sort of like the thing that like tricks your brain into being like, oh, this is older, mm. right, right, um, right. So, uh, so I, you, you know, you pay special attention to the mix and frequency range when, when even just miking the shit up. You know, you want to make sure you're using the right mics with the free, right, like pattern response in the mics to to get that type of sound. Um, that so. Aaron Chiazza on drums. Mark. How many how many mics did you have on the drum kit? Uh, probably. Did you just put like probably, one mic over the top? Or? Probably two. Yeah, I'm 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 a really like, like kick overhead, something like that. Yeah, I don't remember. It was we recorded that in fall of 2019, so I don't remember. But Fuck. um, uh, so Aaron Chiazza on drums, Mark Sexton on guitar, Chris Sexton on Wurlitzer. I was on bass, and then uh, we had a, a horn section, uh, four four piece horn section, all in the same room cutting that one. Oh, I love the brass so much. It's yeah, such dude. a joyful song. We used we used some really cool uh some really nice 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 people on that and um it turned out and the the beast the B side that Mark and Chris wrote together is I like it a lot. I love that song. It's called Steve's Romp and it's sort of like a we play that whenever we play like pool parties we'll we'll <laughs> rock that other song out and it's pretty pretty dope. So um that that group is called What It Do which is very similar to the Sex Tones. It's just a different drummer. Mm. Uh, the drummer for the Sextones is a guy named Dan Weiss. Is it mostly instrumentals or is there more? Is for there for what it do? Yeah. No, it's an all instrumental group. So, oh, fuck. Uh, um, so the lead into that is uh, in that same in that same time period, tw- fall of 2019, uh, you know, no one knew what was going to happen the following mm. spring. Right. So, um, but uh, we had a niche to record a full length album. Like we hadn't put out a full length since 2015, <clears throat> called "Shit's Dope." I, I decided to not bring a song from that one, but it's it's pretty pretty cool. Also, uh, completely four track cassette recorded. Um, but we we wrote a spaghetti western album called "The Blackstone Affair," um, uh, in twenty nine late 2019 into 2020. And uh, so the next song that I have is we we kind of altered the band name a little bit. Now it's called the What It Do Archive Group. We wanted to go under a different moniker for like a, our, the next like full-length releases. And so um, I had been writing, you know, as I do, you just write music, you just have shit. And so I had Mark and I and Aaron all got really deep into like Italian soundtrack music, <laughs> you know, for like heavy into it. Like I still collect the the records. Like our our vinyl collections alone are like, you know, museum pieces of like lost soundtracks and stuff. So we wanted to create a lost spaghetti Western soundtrack. And so we kind of went all fucking out on this one recording technique. We up, we upped it so hard with what we were doing. And so I wrote a song that was like kind of praising some of the Italian composers like Piero Piccioni, Emuliani, Ennio Morricone, and, and some of the other greats, Alessandro Alessandroni. And so I wrote this tune called the Blackstone Affair main theme because usually all the songs on a soundtrack are like titled after like events in the movie. 
Right. So I just called this one like the main theme, and it's the track first track off of the the LP that we put out last April. Um, uh, uh, from Record Kicks, we signed to an Italian record label of all things with the with the album, the Spaghetti Western thing. And so they <laughs> they put it out. They loved it, and so um, how did you find and contact and get involved with the, uh, that group? You know, man. The more and more that I, I live my life as a musician, the more I realize it's just a who you know business. And right. and Instagram was helpful. I had been working with another producer for the upcoming Sextones record in, in San Rafael who also recommended record kicks for this release for, for the, the What It Do Archive group release, The Blackstone Affair. And it was just, there was just a lot of like interconnections. And eventually, you know, I, re- I reached out and saying like, hey, you know some of my colleagues mm-hmm. like here's the here's the concept for the record what do you want to do and, and so i pitched it to like probably 18 different labels and got bites from just a few of them but uh record kicks ended up being the one that like knew what they needed to do to promote this and like tell the story of it because there was a very hefty story behind the record that we had concocted and so um so we put that out last april uh it's it's out somewhere it's on the on the internet you can grab a, a vinyl copy somewhere i'm sure um and so one of the songs that i i wrote uh, is is all about kind of getting into the mindset of piero piccioni specifically of the colpo rovente soundtrack that he put out which is an incredibly beautiful italian score um and so this one is like you know with with when you think italian or like spaghetti western soundtracks you think like kind of like baritone tremolo guitar very dusty sounding, but there's so much more to it too. There's harpsichord. There's all these very cool exotic instruments. And so I kind of took advantage of my time during the early stages of COVID to just kind of like finish putting all the sparkly, dazzly touches on this record. And so, so now you know what I did during COVID, which is <laughs> uh, I made a, I made a record uh, with my friends and uh, it ended up doing really well. And uh, so this is, this is the the first track. It's one of the songs that I, wrote for it among some of the others that um you know we collaborated on but this is one uh that i just i just kind of had and it ended up working really well for the for the record because i had it in mind you know how many tracks are on that it's 11 so uh the the album is 11 there's uh we put out a 45 with record kicks a couple months before that with a bonus track um uh side a was called the return of beaumont jenkins and that featured a very famous Whistler. So there's a, you know, like when you think like Spaghetti Western, you also think the guy who whistles, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so that guy, his name is Alessandro Alessandroni, very famous library music artist, composer, good friends with like Bruno Nicolai and Ennio Morricone. His son is an adult professional musician who lives in LA now, Um, you know, strong Roman accent, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, I asked him to whistle on our album in, in like honor of his late father who did that professionally for all the movies and, and whatnot and he did and he like he he whistled on it for free we just got in got him into a studio in la at some point and we, so we have like a legendary like whistler's son whistling on our spaghetti western <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it was it was pretty it was like the cherry on top and it, it i think that really sold it from like pitching to labels and stuff they're just like wow i can't believe you got this done without a budget or anything, you know, we did it completely on our own dime. Anyway, that song doesn't have the whistle. This is just a, a tune that uh, I wrote called the Blackstone Affair main theme. So check it out.
Nothing was in the middle. Did you put nothing in the middle? What do you mean? Like there was, it seemed like there was no sound or element that was in the center. Like everything oh, yeah. was panned to one degree or another, left or right. Yeah. Like so, the middle was empty. That was so cool. So there's this thing with mixing in older style songs called LCR. Yes. And so that just means left, but that's right, hundred percent left, hundred percent right. And yeah, and no, there's <laughs> there's stuff in the middle. It's just uh, I I always appreciate mixes where you don't have too much in the middle because that can I, I mean it's it's all very genre specific. Certain right. songs you really want shit right dead in the middle. But uh, no, you're right, uh, and and part of that like, what is was in the middle. Nothing's of, in the middle. <laughs> part of that is is the genre. You know, it, it dictates it had a super uh, Pink God. Floyd vibe at the end. <laughs> but it, yeah, but that dude. old that old movie soundtrack feel. It was so it was so great and so well done. Yeah, elements of black exploitation, which was very popular in the late '60s, mid '70s. So, um, especially the end. So there's uh, in that song. There's a lot of different melodic motifs that appear again in, later in the record. Mm. And so there's like a, you know, a chase song that uses the which is just like, you know, it's just like a classical piece which always returns to the theme. Yeah. So it was more, it's more different aspects of it. Absolutely. It's called, it's more of like an overture than, than a theme. So if you listen to the whole record, if you ever, if you feel like doing that, you'll, you'll notice that there's a lot of like harmonic and melodic things that appear in very curious ways to kind of glue the whole record together. God, somebody needs to like make just, I just want to make a dumb movie just so that that can be the soundtrack. Yeah, man. I mean, I've, I'm waiting for Quentin Tarantino to hit me up and be like, oh, hey, he can would I love that shit? Can I use that? But just don't forget to take your shoes off. He's into no shoes on. Oh. Yeah, like, okay. Well, I, I, that's a thing like women with dirty feet and no shoes on is like a thing interesting for him mm-hmm. those are easter eggs in every movie there's some women's feet oh okay dude and I, it. I love the 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 odd sound i've i realized over the years and this is so dumb and i can't explain it but i i love uh 20s and 30s um old big band jazz music but if somebody records it in a modern way i don't like it Oh yeah, there's, I only like the sound of a '78 record. There's a cognitive dissonance that happens when you listen to an old genre through modern production value that it it sort of cheap, cheapens it. Yeah, now if they were playing live in front of me, that would be a different story. But of if course. it's a recording, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear the glorious. And if they could have recorded it that way, they would have. Yeah, but I want to hear the the single mic or the or the acoustic horn that. And and this this crappy sound, I love that. And I, I was listening to some Vivaldi while I was reading, and then all of a sudden they, it began to do a little opera. And I don't really like opera. I'm not like an opera guy. Mm. But I heard it and I thought, you know, this is actually kind of cool. And then out of the blue, a song played that was opera being sung, but it was off a 78 record. And suddenly I was like, And this? you're like, fuck yeah. Oh, oh, it just, <laughs> I, I shot up and was like, what the fuck is this? And then I found out it was, there's a ton of, um, of Enrico Caruso that's all 78 recordings because he died back in the day before there was anything else. And so I began just playing and suddenly I love that opera. It just needed to be in that weird form. What mm. the fuck is, it's so strange that that would affect me like that. See, now you get why I'm like addicted to tape machines is because like, the medium and the texture that you put on the music kind of will either seal the deal or not of like what you're doing, like right. what the, what the actual content is. And I think that obviously everything's all in the take. Like you just want the take to be good. It can sound like dog shit or it can sound amazing. As long as the take sounds good, your, your record sounds good. Like it's it, people will identify with it, but having that like a very deliberate kind of uh warm pillow over the music is something that just really speaks to me. And, and obviously, you know, you as well, 
with like it it really is sort of like a feeling thing that you can't explain it's just the quality of the music the sonic quality of it really does like you know add to the emotional you know aspect of how we listen yeah mm. and you think about those 78 records they and a lot of and like old cylinders and shit like that they couldn't they couldn't even play it back they just had to ask yeah. everybody, was that, did, did it feel good? Yeah, it felt good. And then they would send it off to a plant or wherever and they would do all these processes to the yeah, wax disc. We, we got it good over Dude, here. And like, and like, we can listen back immediately. Months and... later, they would hear it and know if it was good or not. Yeah. Well, terrifying. It's, it's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds expensive too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, so we got one or two more songs. Probably one just left. One, probably just one, one left. One left. Okay. Well, uh, Alex, um, Alexander, whatever you, you, whatever you want to call me. <laughs> How can people get a hold of you? Um, and all your bands are out there on the internet. Uh, yeah, uh, homing pigeon, preferably. Um, so, <laughs> uh, you, my website is pretty good. It's, uh, it's uh I'll I'll just spell it. It's X Y Z A N D E R T A Y L O R. So like Xander Taylor, X Y Z. I guess the X and Y are silent, I suppose. But <laughs> www.xyzandertaylor.com. Uh that's also my Instagram and Twitter. I don't really I don't go on Twitter. I was told I was told to make one and I just don't use it. Hmm. So uh that's the handle is at X Y Z A N Ander Taylor. Um, check that out. But on my website, it has uh, my entire discography on there. It has my artwork because uh, I do visual art as well. It has all of that. It has photography. It has uh, my tour schedule. It has um, and my my studio, which I just – so another big fun thing this year is that I'm, I finally opened up my, my studio for uh, booking recordings for bands. And so um, – Oh, fucking rad. And fifth floor, hmm. and is it like a great view from up there and – yeah, it's big pretty, like window and you're on the Virginia I mean, I, Street side. Yeah, I, I close up all the windows with uh, uh, soundproofing when I record, but oh, okay, um, because you don't want those reflections. So yeah, I've been I've been booking a lot, and I got a pretty full schedule out to the rest of the year with book like recording bands and 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 my own stuff. Um, so uh, this last song, I suppose, is sort of like after after playing in all these groups, I decided like I really just wanted to make. Even though, like, I had truly written some of those songs, like, purely all by myself, they were always for a band. Right. I never really got to do the music that I, like, I really felt that was pulling at me the most at any one point, you know. And so, uh, lately, over the course of the last bunches of, bunch of years, I've always been a big global music enthusiast. I, you know, um, really appreciate and respect music from all over the world. And so, um, I got really into Turkish music and uh, one of my goals in October of this last year was to learn how to play Turkish music. So I bought a traditional Turkish instrument called a baglama saz. It's a lo- it's called a long neck. Uh, it's an electric long neck saz, which is like a microtonal guitar, but it's like a traditional folk instrument from Turkey. Mm. And so I decided to like teach myself a new instrument uh, and write music with it because like the music I'd been loving always used this instrument. And I was like, no one in Reno that I know of is like a, a Saz player. So I figured I'd just do it myself. So I learned how to play the Saz and then wrote two songs and decided to hit up a, a record label and be like, hey, do you want to put this out on a 45? Next thing you know, I got a 45 coming out June 17th. And uh, the first 
The first track is called Bones of God, and it is a it's basically psychedelic Turkish rock psych funk type <laughs> type of thing, which is like stuff I'm really into. Is like very odd left field sounding. Uh, hard to find vinyl record collecty music is like mm-hmm. really what what I'm all about lately. So I wanted to make music that kind of like I would I would have picked out of a record store in like the international section. Um, so this song is called Bones of God. It's coming out on all digital streaming platforms on Friday, um, and then the 45 drops on the 17th. Um, check out the premiere. It's coming. Uh, it's, it's premiering on Under the Radar magazine on f- Thursday probably. So okay, this might be out on Thursday. Okay, so. cool. So, yeah, yeah. so uh, Thursday, the whatever that day is. So, um, anyway, this is this is some unreleased stuff called Bones of God, and it's all tape machine, all analog, everything about it. Um, the only instrument I'm not playing is the drum set. Fuck, well, man, this has been a fucking eye opener. I didn't know how prolific you were, sir. Oh, <laughs> oh, dude. I mean, th- this is like the tip of the iceberg. Like, and I'm not saying that in like a any sort of like look at me way, but like you know, I I I truly am like trying to make a career in music. Uh-huh. Like as a producer, recording engineer, um, it's something I've done since early high school. Is record my friends' bands. It's just it's the only thing I really know how to do. So I really like making music and I try to do it as much as I can. So I'm, I'm feeling really good this year with, with whatever I am doing and the new, what it do archive group records coming out next year. And the sex tones records coming out next year. Got any tours coming up? Um, no, no, you got to stay at home and record some music. I, (laughs) I, I, I was actually very, very grateful to go on tour with one of my favorite bands of all time. They asked me to play bass for them for a national tour in the fall of this last year, they're, they're called the monophonics. And I got to tour the the country with them for a couple months. And that was very eye opening, made me want to play music even more <laughs> and oh, stuff. Wow. And it was, it was incredible. And so that really like inspired me to really finish my studio, put music out, just keep going mm-hmm. and like, just, just get it out there, do it as best as I can and, and try to learn along the way and try to make music with all my friends. So you're inspirational, Alexander. Hey, thanks. And God. and and you're a good neighbor too. <laughs> you're a great neighbor, <laughs> and I love watching your your family uh, gr- grow up. Yeah, you know, it's really cool. Yeah, so. it's it's nice to share that with you. And thank you for asking me to be on the show. Uh, I I'm super stoked to do this. I've never done something like this, so hey, I'm glad I did too because yeah. this is this is a very um, memorable one on Memorial Day. Ooh, <laughs> and um, yeah, the the. The, all the different bands, uh, man, like, are you going to try heavy metal at, at some point? I, I've done that twice. Okay. Uh, I have a, <laughs> a, 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 there's a cassette album, Aaron Chiazza and I wrote in 2011, uh, we wrote a satanic death metal record and it got picked <laughs> up by a Russian record label. <laughs> wow. And you and foreign record labels. <laughs> I know, Jesus. man. We're going to have to do another show. Oh, my God. The, the rest of your band. So if you're or, ever- uh, Or another chunk And is that on, it, that's on your website that's, also? That's on my website. It's on Bandcamp. Uh, we, it, it exploded in, in Russia. Like, it was yeah. such a huge- like in the underground satanic death metal scene, it was like really, it was insane. Like the, the amount of like what the, 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 the reviews we got and people were like, this is really from 1969. <laughs> Cause it was all cassette. And that's like some very, very demonic satanic death metal. Very, sl- it's like sludge metal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that was fun. Yeah. Every, every uh, year on Easter, every year on Easter, I always post a link to it on my Facebook. Be like happy Easter. And it's like, it's just satanic death metal. <laughs> so man, yeah, fun. it's uh, we got to get a show with some of that your oh country band, uh, your hip hop outfit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh I don't God. know. Your, yeah, uh, there's there's some other like I have a shoegaze record I I put out a couple years ago too that is also a really really fun thing to talk about but that's another another time. God another damn, we gotta give do the, another give show the, next season. Yeah, give the website again. So X Y Z A N D E R T A Y L O R dot com. So that's X Y Xander with a Z Taylor at G or. Dot com or that's also my email. And that's the best Gmail. way to that's the best way to, to look for you if they want to that's book just my, studio time also, right? Uh website, Instagram is pretty good. My name on Facebook is just my name. So <laughs> Alexander Taylor Korostinsky. That's K-O-R-O-S-T-I-N-S-K-Y is my actual last name. Fuck yeah. Um so anyway, you just uh, I'm sure I'm sure you know, if you Google enough things you'll eventually find it. So in any case, this song is called Bones of God. Right on. And it's uh, some Turkish psychedelic funk. <laughs> All right. Well, we, before we hear that, I just want to say uh, for the, it was nice to have you on, sir. Oh, dude. Alexander Korostinsky, great guest today. Like, phenomenal musician, Reno. Uh, hope you fucked prolific <laughs> and brilliant. Um, for the Reverend Roy Dowd, for Cadillac Ken, Chewbacca. Riku, what the hell? Mouse and Dogwater Dick. I'm Nick Ramirez saying life is short and we love you. On the worst little podcast, we're talking out of our ass.